0: Pavillon Afrique is a platform that promotes stakeholders of the film industry from Africa and its diaspora. With each episode, you will learn a little bit more about the ecosystem, thanks to our guests, professionals, experts and film lovers. Welcome to all. Today, it's my pleasure to introduce you to Mark Walton, President of Sales and Marketing for One Caribbean Television a 24-7 television network for and about the Caribbean. Mark is a Yale alumni where he earned a master from the School of Management. He also has a BS in journalism from Boston University's College of Communication where he even got the Distinguished Alumni Award. Good morning, Mark.
1: Good morning, Karen. How are you?
0: I'm fine, and you? Good, good. Great, so I guess that from these uh, times when you got your uh, degrees, your you have acquired a worth of experience in the film and TV industry. So tell us about your career as an executive catering to different audiences, mainstream with CBS where you worked uh, over 10 years, Afro with the Africa Channel, and now Caribbean with the OCTV.
1: Well, it uh, it seems like such a long time ago since I did leave school.
0: <laughs> I am reflecting uh, on memory.
1: <laughs> but uh, we'll we'll try to we'll try to make it a short journey. Um, I guess I've always been um, I've always been on the business side of the industry. Uh, always just trying to figure out is, if in whatever role I was in, if I could help a content creator of some type either. Distribute their product, or get it uh, financed through sponsorship, or or just market it, you know, to the to the to the population. And my training at CBS was invaluable because it was really um, kind of classical training um, it, at network television, sales and marketing, and uh, you know, this is selling the 60 Minutes and the Dallases and and so on. But I, I really did learn a lot and gain an appreciation for for just what are the metrics and, and just what some of the techniques were. And, and one day I, uh, I kind of surprised my wife and I said, well, you know, after over 10 years, I, I think I'm gonna start my own company. And the, the idea was to start a international distribution company for programming. I had actually been, I guess I'm far away from the CBS now, so it doesn't matter. I'd actually been taking my vacation time and sneaking over to Cannes for the Nip and Nip TV conferences where they were buying and selling TV shows. (laughs) And, uh, and I really wanted to develop a way to bring programming from overseas into the U.S. and then to take programming from the U.S. and sell it overseas. I thought that was a, that was a business that had not really been developed uh, at that point in time. So the, um, uh, the the culmination of those trips was that you know what I really just need to start this company and the idea uh, became uh, uh, was shared with a with a partner and we decided to launch Onyx um, Onyx Media Group and unfortunately the the economics of the economics of international distribution really didn't work out I could sell a program today to someone overseas but I not I might not be able to actually collect the money for. For a while, just because uh, international transfer of money, etc. So that that was a it was a call for us to then think about how we could syndicate programming um, in uh, in the U.S. and then try to develop this international you know this international business along the way. And and I guess somewhere along working with my partner on Onyx, I I fell into a group that was involved in film. In the film industry, uh, film had always been my love. Uh, always been a, an, an avid um, viewer and, and uh, aficionado of film. And I went to see this film, *Daughters of the Dust*, which was um, Julie Dash, who uh, had won the Best cinematography at Sundance Sundance for this film. Incredible film. And we realized that she didn't really have a distribution and marketing team, so a bunch of people that actually were only friends of friends we all got together and we decided to create a company to distribute film and to distribute to help julie distribute daughters and then we went on to actually distribute uh oh, about a dozen or so feature films from africa from the caribbean and and, um, and from filmmakers like from like like julie and the 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 concept was that uh hollywood did not have a lock on being able to distribute content that could appeal to to Black audiences, that uh, there were independents out there creating a lot of content. And the content just didn't have the same level of marketing expertise behind getting it out to the to the audiences. So we would develop, pre-internet, a real grassroots way of getting the, the word out. Uh, Daughters was very successful. Uh, we were able to uh, have the film gross over a million dollars and spent almost nothing in marketing using a lot of grassroots techniques um, and we then went on we went to Fespaco in, in Burkina Faso and, and found films there we went to much gaide and in Martinique uh, uh, to find films from the Caribbean and uh, and, and were successful at at at, uh, at actually getting some of those out into the marketplace and and I think the, the the other two chapters that I'll talk about quickly, uh, I I would always go back to MIP and MIPCOM. It's now been almost thirty years that I've been traveling, uh, and unfortunately, just not a lot of people from the African diaspora that are there. So whenever you do see someone, you probably do just kind of raise your hand and say, "Hey, I'm here," and it'd be nice to meet you. And I met the gentleman um, James Mckow, who is one of the co-founders of the Africa Channel, uh, on La Corsette. And, uh, and one day he said, I'm coming to the States and I'd love to sit down and talk to you about this TV channel that we were creating to demystify Africa for the world. So I kind of raised my hand and said, that sounds like a great idea. Why don't I um, see if I can join you in that? And I and I, and I I worked with, um, with the Africa channel uh, on finding sponsors and then also in um, helping the distribution and with the overall marketing uh, of the channel here in the US. And then we also launched it in the UK. And, I probably would, uh, you know, I I probably would say that uh, doing film distribution, the Africa Channel, you know, all those things were good, but they were always working with parts of the diaspora that I wasn't quite as familiar with. Um, I am actually first generation from the Caribbean and um, my folks from Barbados. And I met these gentlemen, and had a TV network in the Caribbean. <laughs> and so you go. From, <laughs> in
0: fact, your career is a sex a strings of a string of meetings that make you, in fact, uh, fulfill your dreams of working in the film industry. Either with, a, and now you are with the, what you want to be like with the, more the Caribbean thing after Africa, after the mainstream and. Uh, uh, do you think that, uh, I mean, this is where you're meant to be now?
1: Well, I, I believe this is bringing things full circle, uh, working with this television network in trying to increase distribution in the Caribbean and then bring it to um, other parts of the world, you know, here in the U.S., of course, and then uh, in Canada, we have distribution and also looking at Europe. So it's a, it's it's somewhat completing, completing the circle, if you will. And, and I see so much opportunity uh, to not only uh, help the Caribbean grow, but also to make those liaisons between the Caribbean and the rest of the, I'll call it the black world, which has so many stories that need to be told.
0: Okay. Do you, do you market very differently uh, to these uh, different audiences?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, when I was mainstream, CBS, it was all about the numbers. It's just how many bodies can you get to watch your TV show, uh, to watch your film, and uh, then you quantify that uh, and an advertiser will pay you based on your ratings. And it's not necessarily the most foolproof way, but it's something that, uh, it's a way that everybody buys into. When I left that environment and started doing things on my own in these markets, excelling black programming, um, we we at the Onyx we had New York Undercover, which was uh, which was a show that was on Fox originally with, um, uh, with a black and Latino lead. Uh, we acquired that show and then put it on television networks, uh, television stations around the country, but we didn't have big ratings. And then dealing with the Africa Channel and now even one Caribbean, we don't have ratings, we don't have the the kind of metrics that you can just take. So, So you have to really sell on the concept of environment. You tell the advertiser, you can sell a product much better in programming that appeals to the audience you want to reach. It's not really just about the numbers, it's about how people connect with you and your support of a program that they're really interested in and that they care about, and it kind of translates to hopefully a good feeling about your company. And we say the same thing to the distribution outlets. You want more viewers. Well, if you want more viewers that uh, are from the Africa uh, consumer market, well, then you need to have programming on that does that. So, so the the cell is a bit it is a bit different. The cell between the Caribbean and Africa has similarities and differences. Unfortunately. Uh, uh, especially in America, most Americans really don't have a, a deep understanding of Africa. So, when we would go into these major companies and uh, these major uh, outlets, you know, cable and, and, and so on, and, and say we had a channel called the Africa Channel, I'm sure some of them were thinking, well, how could you have a TV channel about extended stomach babies and flies on their face or corrupt governments? Because that was in their minds what the impression of Africa was. Sure. Yeah. That was the perception and we had to then just reorient their thinking we had to break that down we had to show them the beauty the culture the history you know the music the food the fashion and once they saw that they realized oh wow there's not only an audience for um, among africans but maybe others in the u.s would like this Selling the Caribbean, um, I don't necessarily have to do that because people have a pretty good view of the Caribbean. They think about the sea and the sun and the beach mm-hmm. and maybe yeah, the colada, but uh rarely do they think again about the cultural side, about the fact that all of these countries and territories have their countries, you know, they have the problems that any other country has, but they also have the things to bring to bear to, to make them functioning societies and they, have, they have their own industries that need to be discussed and uh uh, and their own art and culture so it's it's similar in that i have to pretty much deconstruct what people have in their minds about where these environments are and then reconstruct them in the sense that the same things that you think about when you're selling in a general market sense you want to know the demographics well Listen to my demographics and let me explain to you why we have valuable audiences to sell. Okay,
0: so you have to educate. Before selling, you have to educate uh, your clients. Absolutely. Okay, uh, let me revert to the what you said about the metrics. Um, is there a way, did things change a little bit? And um, Is there a way to have those metrics now?
1: Well, I'm really encouraged by the fact that social media for all its evils also brings along some good. Uh, if you have a show and all of a sudden you now have these millions of followers um, you know, on Facebook or, or, or on Twitter, then you're able to you're able to show in a way that may not have been classic metric uh for for the way broadcast and cable and and um, And some of the traditional forms were were measuring themselves, but you know that you're engaging with someone, you know that you're engaging with with an audience. So I'm encouraged that um, that the digital world is going to give us um, more of an understanding of of how audiences are responding. But at the end of the day, the the biggest metric really is the fact that um, that audiences now are more in control than they were before. If I don't like the streaming service that i have and it doesn't have what i have on it i just cut it off um if uh if i don't um if i don't like the, the tv program that's on a particular network i don't watch anymore because i have so many choices that uh that i'm I'm now more in the i'm now more in the driver's seat than i was before
0: uh, but what do you, why do you do you think there are so um, a few companies that does research about, you know, the statistics about the black audience, either in the Caribbean, in the US or in Africa, because I find it extremely difficult to find, you know, uh, figures, statistics.
1: No, I I, I totally understand. And, um... I think unfortunately it gets back to one of the things I referenced earlier. If you're not looking at these environments as sophisticated markets, then you're not probably thinking that you need to put the same level of rigor behind quantifying and qualifying these markets for business. If you're you know, if you're <laughs> excusing away Africa as being a country and not realizing that there's 54 really you know thriving you know economies of different scales that are operating, or the same in the Caribbean, you know, there's 30 or 30 to 40 countries and territories that um, that are that are filled with people that are that are contributing to their societies. If you're not looking at it that way, then you might not put the, the right attention. Um I I do try to support those people that do research. Uh, last month, I uh, participated in a, uh, in a webinar that was actually hosted by a research company, Horowitz, that's here in the US, that specializes in multicultural audiences. And they've done some primary research. They found that uh, 66% of uh, the people that they talked with uh, who, were, um, who were Black, wanted more diversity of programming they wanted more stories that could be told um beyond what they're normally getting now on mainstream television and uh, and in other um you know well, i'll call them the targeted networks the ones that are so i recently did a um a webinar um with a research company here in the u.s uh, called horowitz and they actually specialize in multicultural marketing and um and giving information to companies, the the industry, the the distribution side, as well as the advertisers. And they've done some primary research. They found that 66% of the audience that they they sampled wanted more diversity of content. They wanted more stories. And that just means that what they're getting now on mainstream television, and probably as well on the the networks that are targeted to black audiences, just, just isn't sufficient. It's not telling the full story. And the census is actually the US census <laughs> has data, um, which uh, a number of companies have mined. It's just don't think that a lot of people are going after it. They, you know, the last census um, in 2010 found that at least one in 10 um, so called African Americans has a, uh, a route back to either the Caribbean or Africa. And that's first generation. That's one out of ten. Iraq one out of ten so you know that's uh, that is actually then amplified by the fact that the when you count second and third generations connected to Africa the Caribbean it's one in five so that means that twenty percent of the you know the 45 Africa, or yes. million blacks just in the US have some connection to Africa and the Caribbean that's that's huge um, and these numbers, once you're able to distill them, I'm really anxious to see what comes out of the 2020 census, although our census is probably all around the world have been um, a bit affected by the pandemic. But the, um, the numbers speak for themselves. So that means that if I'm a marketer, I've, I've got to now think about well, where's my next dollar coming from? And am I looking at this audience, this Black audience, let's say, uh, in a monolith? Am I not appreciating that there are different aspects to it, which I could market to and maybe increase my sales or increase my 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 audience participation you know, through subscriptions or whatever?
0: Are there are there some figures regarding uh, the status, the level of uh, of uh, maybe your studies or or um, for the. Uh, People first generation Africans or Jamaican or whatever, do you have some figures about that?
1: Uh, there are not a lot of figures. Again, the, the, the challenge is, you know, research is expensive, especially authentic research, it's expensive. So unless you have, you know, uh, you have a, a, an advertiser or some institution that really has a vested interest, they're less likely to go through the same rigor. I look at the Hispanic audience here in the U.S. as uh, as is really the role model. Um, once mainstream America realized that there were people here, um, almost as many, uh, in some, maybe in some cases more, uh, in some cities, uh, of Hispanic Latinx uh, roots that had buying power, all of a sudden uh, we we now have a very sophisticated way of looking at the Hispanic market. And guess what happened? Now you have the proliferation of networks, you have the proliferation of ad agencies, and those ad agencies and networks in turn then are able to generate enough revenue, so they do their own primary research, so they've developed a very sophisticated way of proving the value and uh, the worth of their market, so they can take that to the to the corporate uh, environment. It's been, it, it's not happened in the same way for the Black audience. Um, because the dollars just haven't flown, uh, haven't um, haven't been uh, flowing that way to those companies that are exclusively trying to market to black audiences. And I think the general market uh, mainstream doesn't see the imperative. They don't see the sense of urgency to put money behind you know, getting at some of those statistics we're talking about. Because when it comes to the, you know, the alcohol and the foreign born, Black audiences—they really just have never thought about it in, in that in that uh, that light to a large degree. Now, there's some some industries, some companies like Western Union and MoneyGram, Money, yeah. money Transfer—they know the value of these mm. They yeah. actually do, do do. And I always say they're probably smarter about who is here in this country and and even in other countries than anybody because it's tied to the money. And and I'm, and I'm sure you're aware that. There's more money that gets remitted back to Africa and the Caribbean from the diaspora than all the money that these countries and territories get from the aid around the world. So, so these companies know, and there are a few other industries like the airlines and so on. They they have a sense, but I, I don't I don't know that um, I don't know that there's been a source of revenue that uh, could be focused yet on developing the kind of research that would that would help them that would help this the foreign-born aspect of the black population. We
0: have to
1: do yeah. it
0: ourselves. Yeah. Another well, question that's... Regarding, regarding the film industry, there are more and more uh, platforms and TVs like uh, uh, the Africa Channel or OCTV um, uh, catering to the black audiences. Uh, what is their... Um, uh, did they, are they doing better over the years in terms of audience? Are uh, really the black uh, uh, is really the black audience going on these channels more and more? What is the trend?
1: I I think that unfortunately the, the trend isn't where it should be. The trend is is uh, is that we're seeing more and more of these platforms but I don't see the ad dollars following, or I don't see the amount of marketing to generate subscriptions for these uh, services being there because the content isn't there. A lot of times you'll watch some of these new platforms and you'll see recycled content from years ago. So if I'm the audience, I'm saying to myself, do I really wanna pay, you know, five, 10, $15 for content that I've already seen? Probably not. But there are a lot of
0: African content that has never been been seen because they are in the cabins or wherever. Even if it's old, nobody has seen them, maybe in festivals.
1: Absolutely. So it it really becomes a question of, is it that the content doesn't exist, or is it that the people that are actually programmed either don't know that it exists or just aren't in a position to to try to, to facilitate getting the rights and, and so on. And, and a lot of it has to do with communication. You know, um, I, um, my, my wife is from Senegal. I've been traveling the continent of Africa, f- you know, for decades now, traveling through the Caribbean, traveling through Europe. And I guess because I'm American, but have these roots and these connections, I see these possibilities. And I just, and I, what I realize is when I go certain places, I, I understand they're, they they do not know that the other, exist in order to do business or in order to help to strengthen even just in Africa. I remember leaving Senegal and going to Kenya once and, and, and really understanding that the person in East Africa has almost no conception of what life is like in West Africa because their orientations were so different. So if you don't really even understand who the other audience is, you're less likely then to be able to do business. You're less likely to be able to think about, how together you can form the argument that would get an advertiser or a financier of some type to put more money into the business, to put more money into the platforms that would get more product. And obviously if you have more product and you have product that people are interested in, then you're going to grow the market. And uh, I'm oversimplifying it, of course, but uh, I think on some level, it does break down to you have to know who each other is, realize the strength of the content and the quality of the content that's there, understand that audiences are still very underserved and very, they're they're looking for content all the time. I I want to say that um, on any given day, while I may flip the dial and see a number of shows, I don't always see shows that appeal to the things that I'm most interested in. So, I have to then settle for something that just happens to come on that might have a storyline that appeals to me. But that doesn't mean that I wouldn't, that I wouldn't consume it if it were there, it just means that for all these reasons we're talking about, the marketplace has not developed uh, the ecosystem to allow for the content and the audiences and the advertisers and distribution elements to all kind of work together.
0: Okay, so uh, you think that the the market is there, but uh, maybe there is not enough communication, so people will go to what exists already, and then the offer is maybe not adapted enough to uh, what the viewers will want to see.
1: Precisely, uh, you know that the the stories are there, you know the, the stories are there, and um, you know, I, I'm. I, I always say, I've seen Batman too many times. <laughs> I know the I know queen story too many times, but I don't know the story of, of Nzinga, the, you know, the, the queen in, uh, in, in Angola. I don't, I don't know the story of Anansi the Spider. I don't, I don't see those stories on the air um, enough so that they become a part of this cultural ecosystem that's now been facilitated by the fact that we have the digital platform, so Netflix has kind of gotten the memo a bit. You know, they've acquired a lot of African content, and they're putting some money into production. Um, I'm encouraged by um, by what I see. Some of the other services, um, Amazon Prime just uh, uh, just put uh, Steve McQueen's Small Axe on, which is a really a great great series of films about life for the West Indian Caribbean community in London in the 70s. You know, so these are these are great hot spots. But I need more of that. I don't just need it to happen once every three or four months. And almost to a point that I think you mentioned, um, I need we we need this to fulfill the needs of the audiences that are that are global. And you know you, you take the you take the audience here in the US, you take the um, the Afro-European audience, um, you're a part of, we take the Canadians, uh, we take the Caribbean, we add that to the Brazilians, and then you you lump on top of that, the people in Africa, and you're looking at a billion, two or three people on the globe. That's a market. Yeah, this
0: (laughs) definitely, definitely. So uh, if nobody's interested in, you know, uh, taking care of it, other people will do. We can do that as well. Um, you are an official ambassador of Pavillon Afrique. So why do you think the Afro-descendants in the audiovisual industry should work together? And what, which difference can this make? Uh, with the audience you mentioned about all over the world.
1: Well, I, I, I'll, I'll go back to the last point that I made, which is, it's the size of the market. And it's the fact that I think what happens is you may have this content creator that's living in an, you know, in a, in an island nation in the Caribbean, and they're trying so hard to get their content exposed to the world. They're thinking, well, if I can just get my content on Netflix or, or one of the streaming services, that would be it but uh, I, I, I dare say that's probably not the be all and end all. It's just one of the platforms that, you should be, that content creators should be looking at. So I think that there's, there is some strength in, in numbers and in understanding that uh, that experience that that content creator is going through in that island nation is not dissimilar from um, Eric Kabara in, uh, in Rwanda and what he's trying to do with his film industry there or what's happening in Nigeria or you know with Nollywood or what's even happening you know here in uh, in the US with independent um, producers and with some of the uh, the entertainers that have kind of, delved into the into the uh, into the fray of producing content so there what's attractive about Pavilion Afrique is the fact that everyone knows the Cancun compass there's nobody on the planet who doesn't realize that that's one of the preeminent places to to showcase. So if we can uh, look to focus attention on that and say to content creators, this could be a place and a platform and an environment for us all to have a conversation about content that we're creating individually, but then content that we could create that actually uses the synergy of the, their experiences. And and again, I'm I'm encouraged by people that are already doing this. Um there's a filmmaker um based in Barbados of Jamaican roots who just did a film called Joseph and it just won the AMA awards from uh that were that were in Rwanda. Uh story of Jamaican going back to God. You know these these are stories that are interesting to anybody specifically interesting to people in the in the black environment. But they transcend just the people that might have seen the story in Jamaica and Barbados, because now they're bringing in Ghana. And if you bring in Ghana, then you're probably bringing in other English-speaking African countries. And if you're bringing them in, then you probably have an audience here in the US and in Canada. So when you think on this global scale, you realize that, well, I have content that I just need to figure out how to bicycle it around to make sure that others appreciate it. And then you will get others you'll get the mainstream to look at it because um, yeah, and the experience is not different anywhere in the world. It feels as though the, the black culture always seems to be on the leading edge. So when something uh, is hot and hip, you know, you look at music or fashion, uh, then mainstream wants to adopt it. Well, the same thing can happen in the creative industry. You know, or media, or entertainment. Um, and there's so many of these stories that, that, uh, that are out there that need to be uh, you know, exploited in a good way. Um, for the betterment of building the industries and then for the betterment of everybody because more interesting television just makes life more interesting, I think.
0: So let's see what what happens. You know, if uh, like music, we will, you know, the film industry will go the, the same way and mainstream will just take it. Or as you said previously, you know, the market just for the Africans and the diaspora is big enough for us to make successes uh, for for movies, if we go and watch them, and if distributors uh, and uh, platforms or broadcasters uh, buy them.
1: Well, and 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 maybe the pandemic is is something that uh, when we look at we look at where the opportunity is to to pull something positive out of all of this challenging hardship that we've gone through, um, because the. Truth be known, the ecosystem has changed. Um, I, I'm now looking at how Hollywood studios are bypassing theatrical distribution the way they, they did in the past, where everything had to revolve around being in theaters. You know, We're not gonna be back to that for years, if ever. So the fact that you get the Disney's, uh, you know, the Warners and so on looking at, how do I stream this content and also maybe put it in the theaters or not, is changing the way that we're that we're consuming content, and it's it's it reminds me of how um, you know Reed Hastings changed our thought process um, based on our behavior when when he was able to get people to think I can stay home and wait for the DVD to come to my house, or now I can sit and stream because I really don't want to stand on the line at a theater and I really don't want to stand on the line at a video store. But that was a behavioral change. And we're going through that right now. We have changed the behavior, streaming is up, people now will look at uh, buying a big screen television or watching things on their phone or their tablet. So here is uh, is a window of opportunity where it's almost that everybody's on the same playing field. You know, I'm, I'm on Zoom calls every day where I realize I'm having meetings with people around the world where I couldn't have done that. We just couldn't have had it. So the opportunity for us to talk to each other is there because of the, the platforms. And then the opportunity to actually distribute the content or to at least understand that this content is there to be consumed is there because all the traditional ways of doing things have broken down. There's really nothing that stops the independent content creator from doing deals with different streaming platforms Finding maybe some marketing money and then just pushing out their content in the same way that a studio would, especially if you have now developed the communication that all those 1.3 billion people kind of know that. Well, you know what? There's a new film that's coming, or there's a new there's a new story that's being written. Um, so it's it's uh, I'm, I'm looking at the glasses being half full. Um, I'm looking at uh, what I I coined in three terms that that I, I feel has happened over this past year. We took a pause because everything stopped for a minute, and then we had to reflect on where things were, and I think now we need to reorient and we need to really think about, not how do we get back to exactly the way things were, because I don't believe that's really going to happen, my own personal opinion. But how do we now take advantage of this little window of opportunity that we have where you can have a virtual festival and and have people from all over the globe right there for you to discuss discourse and then actually do business in a way that you really probably wouldn't have been able to do it uh, before the same level of seriousness
0: it can be it can seem far-fetched to say that the pandemic was an opportunity but we have to think this way because I think you know we are going to a new normal and we have to be very creative in the creative industry just to take advantage of the situation and go and be disruptors.
1: And, and be disruptors and, and in another positive way you know the disruption here is uh getting people to understand that you could use your facebook account your social media to promote the content that you're creating to build a bigger audience that then would attract an advertiser that would have that money cycle back into you producing more you know it's creating another ecosystem mm-hmm. that It'll allow for the proliferation of more content, and I think that's really what it, it gets down to. And but I'm, you know, I, I continue to be an optimist. I continue to think that um, that I'm not the only one who's saying these kinds of things. At least I know there's two of us on the line here who are saying similar things.
0: <laughs> <And there laughs> but uh, I listen. Now we have to act swiftly because now is the time. Tomorrow will be too late.
1: Yes, that's true. That's where that's uh, Carpe Diem sees sees the time, sees the moment. I was uh, I was encouraged. I was watching sixty minutes the news show here on CBS, and I saw an interview with Viola Davis, the actress and um, and producer, and I realized that she had a production company, and I was, and that she's actually got a you know number of projects that she's working on, and one of the projects, sure enough, is a film about uh, an all female army, of, uh, Amazon, and I'm saying, yes, that's the future, where you have this confluence of people who have the ear of Hollywood or who have the accomplishment, who have, who are bringing an idea that's not just the traditional stereotypical storyline that that we've kind of seen somewhat over and over again. And now what I'm hoping happens is that with with environments like like the Vietnam Afrique, where we can have this conversation on a global basis, and then probably the missing piece here is to find the, the product marketers or the independent financiers who could invest in the content. That's how this. That's how this will all really be ignited. But I'm again, I'm I'm encouraged because there are people who are working very hard uh, at their craft and that there's stories that are there to be told, and we just now have to pull all the new ingredients together. So. You know, I'm, I'm not the creative person, but I'm always going to be the one that's going to say, it's you know, going to encourage the creative people to do what they do because there is, there is a business to be made. There is a market to be developed. Yeah. And I'm uh, so thankful to be able to have some time to talk to you about it.
0: Okay, but we need you in the creative industry, they need you experts in marketing and in sales because it's an ecosystem. It's a value chain. If something is missing, nothing happens. So thank you so much, Mark, for you know all your insights, your experience, sharing your experience with us. And we hope to see you in uh, Pavilion Africa one way or another. And so you can share uh, with a masterclass or trainings about marketing and sales to our audience.
1: Absolutely, thank you so much. Thank Good you so be. much, Mark.
0: Subscribe and tune in next time.